0: Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today I'm starting off this episode immediately by reading a post that I just wrote for my Instagram. It just feels really fitting for today, for me at least, and I imagine that someone out there needs this message. So wherever you are in the world, or at any time in the world that you feel stuck, and you're noticing some of your, quote, low vibration energies coming about more and more, let this post serve as a, as a lighthouse for you. So I'm going to read it, and I will let you interpret it in whatever way you choose. Here's my inside scoop. I've been making fun of my innocent online yoga teacher's directions when they don't make any sense. I've been on the defense, getting triggered by people telling me what to do they haven't been I've been cruel to myself judging everything I say on Instagram my podcast or in coaching sessions as not good enough to be helpful I've been longing to deeply connect with my dad on phone calls and then not knowing how to navigate conversations once we're actually on the phone I've been waking up in the morning with the first thought being this all over again as I roll over to open my email I've been cramming my days with learning things to stay busy while not remembering much of it. I've been watching way too much 90 day fiance and yelling at them when they do stupid things while I shove popcorn into my gaping mouth. What's also true is that we've never experienced anything like this before. Talking about the quarantine and the pandemic. Ever. Do you understand that? As creatures that have been around for 200,000 plus years The only times we've been forced into isolation is due to traumatic events or protection. We are in our version of a traumatic event. And even though some have it harder than others, it's still hard. All of your feelings are valid. So if you're finding yourself doing low vibration things, listen to me clearly. You are not reverting. You are not losing yourself. You are not permanently changing. You are not getting worse. Perhaps you're just going through a shitty time and you're experiencing more stickiness, stuckness, frustration, and ego-centered thoughts than normal. It's okay. You just need your medicine. And your medicine may be the very thing you can't have right now, like freedom, air, routine, stability, human contact. And so you're going through some psychiatric ward-level shit to cope with it. Your only job is to ask yourself... What is a different form of medicine I could use right now? A prayer? Pleasure? Takeout? A romance novel? Tears? Full permission to do all the things I listed in the first paragraph without shaming yourself? You're human, but you're also a baby. Nurture yourself. You're not reverting. You're feeling. So, my thought to you is, how can you I don't mean babyism like you're a baby, but how can you nurture yourself as if you were a literal baby you 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 cry when you're sad or you need something. you want choices, you're exploring your no, you're exploring your yes. you feel scared, you wouldn't get mad at a baby for feeling scared, and it's very similar with you and it sounds simple and it sounds very elementary but it's not the actual art and act of treating yourself as if you were a child is something that sounds very easy in theory just love yourself be kind to yourself but it's not we all know that so what can you truly do to create space in your life to mother yourself or father yourself maybe you need more nurturing or maybe you need more discipline Personally, this isn't the time where I am being incredibly discipline focused. I have a natural flow of discipline that's coming from my space of freedom. What I mean by that is I'm allowing myself to have pretty much whatever, whenever, how I like it. And from that place, I notice that I crave more discipline. Like if I've gone a couple days giving myself full permission to do whatever I want. I noticed that I just naturally start to crave yoga. And yoga is a series of postures and structures, right? So naturally yoga is a masculine practice because it's not an ecstatic dance, which is whatever you want. It's it's structured. It has a sequence. So doing yoga is a form of discipline. And I notice whenever I have a lot of flow in my life, I start to crave things like yoga or structure or maybe one day I I know I want to eat three times a day or six times a day and that kind of structure is going to serve me. Or I decide I'll sit down, turn off my Wi-Fi, and write for an hour because I've given myself so much time to just not, and I naturally crave it. So my discipline is coming from the space of flow. It's being born out of flow. All right. So today, I want to talk a bit about um, this amazing book that I have received um, it's funny because in this post I just read you, I told you that I'm learning a bunch of stuff and not really remembering much of it. So one of the ways I am helping myself remember and integrate the things that I'm reading is doing something I used to do more often on this podcast. And that was bring what it is I'm learning in books and courses to the show in a structured format and, and giving credit, of course, where credit is due and adding my own intuition to things as I see fit. So, this book is called The Missing Element by Deborah Silverman. Deborah is an astrology teacher who came onto the podcast a few months ago, and it was by far one of the funniest episodes I've ever done with a guest. That's the uh, collective opinion of that episode. I got a lot of comments. It was really funny, and it was, because we just had a really lighthearted, enjoyable time, and I think we're both very air-like women, and you'll know what that means in a minute if you don't. Uh, But at the end of the podcast, she said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you my book or you got to get your book or something like that. And I ended up receiving her book. It's called The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And in this book, she writes about the four different elements that we have all most likely heard of, air, earth, water, fire. Uh, You've heard about these in some way or another, I'm assuming, because you can also think about um, Ayurveda, and you have vata, pitta, kapha. Those are only three, but they have very similar aspects and qualities. Ayurveda looks more towards food and the entire holistic um, way of living for an individual in those three categories. And this is as well, but this is more about your inner world. yeah, this is more about like your inner human condition rather than the food that you eat and how you sleep and all these different things. This is really looking at how you function as an individual. And as I said, Deborah is an astrology teacher, an amazing one. And if you know astrology, you know that your all the different signs have a matching quality an element. So for example, my sun sign is Leo and my moon sign is Sagittarius and my rising sign is Virgo. If you don't know what all that means, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. But for the sake of this example, uh, my Leo, which is sun, is a, a fire element. It's fire, it's sun, it's Leo, it's like a lion, fiery. So my main quote, main sign, the sun sign is fire. And then my moon sign, which means how I process emotions is also fire. So emotionally, I'm very fiery. I could have an outburst. I can be really passionate about something. I can make quick irrational decisions. You know, everything has a a light side and a shadow side. So fire is great for creating fast transformation. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I am very I'm very skilled at picking up and moving and leaving whenever I want and trying new things. I've gone to different countries for a first date. I'm like very easy to make snap judgments and that can be very helpful for being quick on my feet and also not so great for consistency and for um, being slow to process things because sometimes processes take time so that's my natural state uh, that said I have changed radically over the past four years with all of the deep embodiment and polarity work I've done as I will share with you soon I'm actually the lowest ranking in my life is fire these days I am much 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 more earth and air and fire is my the 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 place that I have, turned the volume down on the most and could use the most help becoming more fiery. If you see me at a party, I will not be the life of the party. Even though I'm a Leo, I will most likely be in a corner with one other human being because I work really well one-on-one. I do love being center of attention, but not at a party. Uh, Things that are like more quiet, like if you look at my podcast it's really a one-woman show and I have guests on but it's only just one conversation and I love to work one-on-one and uh, my embodiment practices are full of tears and pleasure and ease and going slow so I've really trained my body to go slow because the teachers I have hired to teach me how to be more like water and earth have Have those qualities. And so I've really adopted those, which is not my normal state. Like from a child, I did not do things slow. I did not talk slow. Everything was fire. And now it's kind of flipped on its head, which is really fascinating. And I'm working on creating more fire in my life. So that's just an example. And you can look at your birth chart to see what is your natural state. So you can look at your sun sign and see what is your sun sign. Is it Aquarius? Is it Cancer? Is it Pisces? Is it Virgo? And then you can also look up what the match to that sign is speaking in the terms of the elements. Is it water? Is it air? Is it fire? Is it earth? And you can get a good idea based off of what your rising sun and moon signs are, of at least how you are from birth. If you've done a lot of personal development work and trainings and had, have had coaches and done deep dives, you've most likely strayed away from that original starting point. I really, really, really have. I used to be nothing but fire and uh, masculine. Like if you listen to the episode I did with Deborah. And any other astrology teacher I've had on, they've all commented about how I have so much masculine uh, stuff in my chart. And hello, why do you think my entire business is around helping masculine-minded individuals step into their feminine flow? Helping people, all people, doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, helping people feel their emotions. It's because that's been one of the biggest lessons of my karma. It's a karma contract I've made my soul was like I'm here to learn how to be soft and um happy to say I'm 28 and I've, I've learned <laughs> quite a bit I know I have a long way to go but um if I've learned this by 28 I can't imagine like by 38 what can we learn by 48 what can we learn by 58 68 78 100 we can learn so many things so let's do it All right, again, um, I'm not going to be going through this entire book, but I do want to give you a good idea. I just want to teach you something today, and I want to teach myself. I want to kind of solidify and crystallize what I've been reading because it's a great way to make the most of the time you spend reading is then to hop on and then share the word. If you want to get a really great book to learn more about this because the details really are where most of this work is done and how you can actually look at your own life and the elements and make adjustments and be inspired by changes it's through the learning so I will include a link to this book in the show notes you can just click on it whenever you have the podcast information pulled up Uh, again it's called the missing element by Deborah. and if you have not listened to the episode I did with her you'll want to check that out because it's awesome she's so funny and she's so so smart so the first thing that she talks about, and it's also something I have had as a big point of my um, my teachings and my coaching over the past few years, ever since reading The Untethered Soul, is differentiating between the observer in our life and the ego. When we hear people say, oh, they have such a big ego, I mean, I know that's something I grew up hearing all the time. They're big-headed, big headed big ego um that is not what the ego is. It, in a sense, yes, that does make sense when when someone says they have such a big ego, what that actually means is that person's very determined to be separate. And it's not a bad thing. It is a method of protection. But that's the way I truly see the ego and it simplifies things a lot for me. It is it is the ego the ego's m- main mission is to separate separate could look like this is mine that's yours it could look like I am above you are below or it could look like I'm below and everybody else is above it can look like um, there's not enough for all people I have to get what's mine before someone else takes it it can look like there's not enough money or friendships or love, or it could look like there's not enough skill. I don't, I don't have enough skill. It could be both ways. Like I'm worthless or I have the highest worth of all people. Why the ego does all of these things is to feel special, to feel unique, to feel different. If it feels special, unique, different, it feels worthy. So it's always trying to find methods of worthiness to feel like it is doing its job to keep you safe. Because if you're worthy, guess what? You're going to live. You're going to survive. At the end of the day, the ego's mission is to keep you safe. That's what it wants. It wants to protect you. And unfortunately, it just thinks that the highest method of protection is separation. Anytime you judge someone else, maybe you're judging them for... Um you think they overcharge for their services. That's a part of your ego. Your ego is saying they overcharge their services, so I'm not going to charge that much to be the cool cat and kitten and um and I'm going to make sure that everyone loves me more because I don't do things like that. That's part of the ego. Or the ego might say I need to look a certain way with the clothing that I wear to stand out because if I don't stand out then blah 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 and that is normally on a subconscious level like if I don't stand out then I won't be loved then I won't be paid then I'll starve then I'll be homeless then I will die like it's the end of the day it's always going down this breadcrumb trail of maybe I'll die if I don't do these things separation that's what it is Um, the untethered soul is a fabulous book to learn more about this And also, A New Earth. A New Earth is one of the mind blowing books on the ego. Eckhart Tolle does such a beautiful job. And then the other one, and this is more what's covered in The Untethered Soul and also a big part of The Missing Element by Deborah, is The Observer. I love, love, love harnessing the power of the observer. And the way I like to think of the observer is like a bird. You're like a bird and you fly up into the sky and then you look at everything happening as if it was in a dollhouse. Like if you were so we don't have to be a bird, actually, we can just be a a kid playing with a dollhouse. And if you were to be looking inside of the bedroom and create the story that the wife, the mommy is in a fight with the daddy and the daddy walks into the bathroom to wash his face because he's so upset. And the mommy walks down to the kitchen, starts making dinner like you're looking at this whole story playing out. And you can see uh, Daddy said something like, well, you never make dinner. Why would you do it tonight? And then Mommy says something like, well, fine, I will make dinner. And then she goes downstairs to start making dinner. You can see the full picture. Like, he's clearly hurting because he does not feel like his love language is being met. Or maybe he's triggered by something and he's projecting. Or he is scared. Or he, yeah, he's just like a, just like a child really wanting to ask for help but not knowing how so he's just really triggered and putting it on her and then she might be triggered because one of her wounds could be uh, if you're not a good housewife then you're not worthy because her mom always stayed at home and did all the dishes and did all the cooking and so most of her life has been spent trying to neglect all of that and when that is being confronting when that when that truth is confronting her that she does not do those things she gets triggered because deep down in her heart she believes that she must do those things in order to be loved because that's what her mother taught her like this is just an example um and i only know these things i can only unpack these things and see these things so clearly because i have worked with my own observer for so many years of being able to say whoa what is happening here why am i being triggered what is the shadow here that i'm not embracing within myself what is the full picture? But the starting point of being able to train this is becoming a bird and flying up into the sky and seeing everything happening. This creates what? This creates compassion for us all. It creates compassion for the person you're mad at, you're fighting with. It creates compassion within you. And just because you create compassion does not mean you need to be friends with that person. You need to stay together in a relationship. It never means anything. It's a way that we just humanize everyone. And it's a way that we still allow our ego to exist, but we don't let our ego ultimately win. And winning for the ego would be the separation. The act of the man going into the bathroom to wash his face and be like, you know, fuck off. And then the woman going downstairs to start cooking dinner and doing it with a closed heart. That's really the ego winning, even though she is doing the action that he said he wanted her to do. He's not winning and he knows it because they're in a fight. She's not, win- she's not winning and he's not winning either. And she knows that. Ego is winning in that moment because it's creating physical separation and also heart separation. If both of them in that moment took a second to be like, whoa, let's observe this, they would see Oh well, here's her trigger, here's her wound. I understand that because I've taken time to understand my woman, and then she may go. Well, I understand he's really stressed at work, and he's feeling all these things. And here are my emotions, and they're valid. It's a way we that it's a way that we allow all the things to be real at the same time. We allow another person to have their emotions and that be valid, as we have our own emotions and valid make those valid. Two people can be in a fight. And all of it can be valid at the same time. I once snapped at my friend, and I didn't mean to. I just I was feeling really triggered by something. Um, I felt like I was being not patronized, but I was uh, I was being. It was with a man, and it felt like in that moment in my nervous system that a man was telling me what to do, and I felt really triggered. And so instead of saying it to him in a way that his nervous system could handle because I was triggered, I said it really bluntly and it came across as harsh. I said, I'm not feeling respected or something like that. And his wound was that he, like his fear, I would say, maybe not wound, but his fear is that he does dismiss or talk over women. And so he was triggered in that moment. And we worked through it really quickly because we're both very well-practiced in this. Like, it doesn't mean we don't do those things. It just means that once we're in it, we're in the heat, we can quickly see it. So I snapped and then he had a moment kind of back. And then immediately he just goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a right to my feelings. Let me feel what I feel. Let me think about this for a second. And then I just like put my hands in prayer pose and I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Ooh. Um, and then he said that felt, a little jarring in my nervous system. And I said, I know it was, I'm sorry. Like I, I felt it come out of my mouth as jarring. So I validated that that was true. What I said was jarring. It was fire. It was the fire element for sure. It was not water. It was not earth and grounded. It was not air uh, necessarily, even though it was fast the way I said it, but it was really fire. It was like, oh, this didn't feel good. And then he received that. And then he had his own emotional process around it and we quickly like validated each other because we both were going into our observer of seeing the bigger picture okay she has this thing he has this thing and it all can be true at once I can still be hurt by something and tell him yeah you're you're right I did say that jarringly it doesn't take anything from me so those are the two distinctive parts that we want to first look at is the ego and the observer. And that's like one whole podcast on its own. I could pretty much stop there today. Um, But I'll keep going because why not? I just like to talk. So what you're doing in, in this book and what she's teaching you to do is to use your observer to go through the four elements without any judgment. Without any judgment, without being like, oh, it's bad that I have more of this element than this element. It's bad. Or it's bad that I am mostly water, and so I get lost in my emotions, and I'm a man, and men don't do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to go into this spiral of judgment at all, because everything about you is perfect the way that you are, and I know that sounds cheesy, and a lot of people say that, and it's only because it's true. (laughs) It's very true. Like Anything that you judge about yourself is because society just told you it wasn't normal. Here's a fun fact. Shame would not exist without society. Shame would not exist without society. Ego would not lead into shame without society, really. It it all, and we have to have a society. So when you think about it that way, even that should create more compassion in order to function as a community we need to have a society and if shame comes along with society the goal isn't necessarily to get rid of shame because society exists but to get curious about shame and from that place being the observer flying up into the air and looking down at everything that's happening you can observe it and create compassion and then move from there so Let's get one thing clear. You have all of the elements. You have fire, you have the fiery part of you, the part of you that is like lava and can create and destroy. You have the part of you that is water, that is intuitive and emotional and sometimes lost in your emotions and potentially you have the tendency to go into depression and look for ways to soothe said depression and you may enjoy living a lifestyle of flow more than structure. Then there's the part of you that is like earth. You're very practical. You are very stable. You could do the same job day after day, maybe using your hands or even sitting in a chair in a cubicle, as long as you are being productive and you have your structures and you have a a healthy bank account that maybe you hoard money in. Earth people are very into stability. They want to feel protected at all costs. But also um, sustainable. Earth people really want to be sustainable and reuse things and be one with the earth as much as possible and be a dependable friend. And then you have the part of you that is air which is the inspired part of you, the talkative part of you, the part of you that's slightly ungrounded at times because you're constantly thinking about different things and have new ideas and you're elated and potentially anxious if you don't know how to channel all of that up in the air type of energy. So you have all of these qualities There is a little quiz inside of the book that helps you know which ones are your strongest and which ones or one is your, quote, weakest or less practiced one. Like I said earlier, I am, I'm the highest on earth. Um, I'm the lowest on fire which is very interesting. I do have earth in my chart and astrology. My rising sign is Virgo which is all about structure and stability and practicality and that's me. I love to save. I, um, I love to save. I love to feel protected. I love to feel secure and sometimes hyper-Earth people have a false sense of security. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious how other Earth people are dealing with times like this, especially if they're losing their jobs potentially, um, and how that need for security is being handled and being felt, hopefully with a little bit more water. So let's get into the qualities here. We will start with water. So I'm just going to name some of the um, some of the main qualities of water people and some of the shadow sides she mentions. But um, you you may identify mostly with one of these, like maybe you know yourself to be a water person. It does not mean that you're all of these qualities. That's really important to note. Like when I read Earth, one of the things it says is that Earth people don't like to get rid of things. I love getting rid of things. Most really hardcore Earth people want to repurpose things and recycle things. I have this friend who is a Capricorn and she before get, she, before she gets rid of anything she actually creates a little pile in her bedroom of things she doesn't want and as her friends come over and maybe she cooks dinner for them she always takes them to her little pile and she goes these are some things I want to get rid of do you want any and it might be something as small as one of those little Sephora sample lip glosses and maybe like an old scarf like she won't just toss out anything she's very intentional about it she's so so earthy whereas I I even have a bucket of clothes over there in the corner that I'm ready to take outside and leave on uh leave right outside my apartment I do live in New York City so it's gone within a second but It's also not the most intentional thing. My thing is just clearing things out. I love to be cleared out of stuff. I don't like having a lot of stuff. And I love the feeling of getting rid of things. So some of those things with Earth don't really resonate with me. And a lot of things resonate with air, but not all of them. So all of these don't fit you to a T because you are your own human being with many different sides of you. Okay, but water. Interestingly enough, water is the first state that we are born into. We are born into water and in darkness. And water and darkness, really, when I hear that, I think of emotions, right? Vast water, like an ocean or a river that's flowing. It's very emotional. It's very intuitive. So anyone who resonates a lot with being a water element is really intuitive and probably has stronger gut feelings, maybe even psychic abilities, psychic capacity, more of an empath. So you might feel the feels of someone that's across from you and have no idea why. People who are watery really love the spiritual side of life. It makes sense to them. It's It gives reason. It is something that's even a little logical to water people. It puts logic to all of their emotions the vastness of emotions that they experience on a regular basis sometimes water people tend to want to numb out because their emotions are so deep and so vast and hide inside potentially if you feel the emotions of other people you may find yourself being more introverted you spend more time alone if you are a healthy water hopefully you have practices that you engage in that really help you move through your emotional realm and help you process it so you don't get caught into it. I do have a lot of water qualities and that's why I love my pleasure practices where I roll out my mat and I get on it and I listen to two or three songs that help me cry and feel my feelings and then I give it back to the earth and I leave it there and I try to move on with my day and, and it, that's, that to me is what feels really healthy. If you're water, it's really important for you to know what works for you. For some people, they need to sleep alone in a bed at night at least once a week to process out their emotions and to have space. Personal space is very important. If you're water, you may lean into the arts such as poetry and writing fiction and beautiful things. Like me, you may be mesmerized by seeing dust particles in the sunlight or the little seeds in a strawberry. People who are watery can easily identify with their emotions. So even having the opposite, like rage practices, not always just feeling melty, ooey, gooey, but also having more fire in your life can be really helpful. Some of the strengths you have is that you're going to be a really great healer. I mean, you since you can feel so deeply, you can feel what other people are feeling who may be blocked to that. That doesn't mean you want to be a martyr and take on what they feel, but you do have the ability to empathize and to heal them simply through you existing, simply from you being in their presence. Be careful, water people, because sometimes you can be a little bit overly... Um, guarded in your heart because you feel things so intensely and you may identify with your stories. This is something I have noticed when I got really into teaching human design and one of the reasons why I'm not teaching it quite so much anymore is because it, it almost like made people fearful of living. For example, if you're a reflector, a reflector, long story short, if, you, if that's what you are, you feel what other people feel, your reflection of other people's feelings. Very similar if you identify with being an empath. And sometimes these can be more stories than fact. I'm not saying that you don't feel what other people feel, but it's a way you over-identify with being this big sponge and you're just taking in everything that people feel when you actually don't have to. You just haven't taken the time to learn how to not do that. And part of it is shedding the story that you're always going to be a sponge. Every time you go into a party and you feel emotional, it's everybody else's stuff and not your own. Sometimes it's really beneficial to take on something as your own because then you're more empowered. And if you live by the story that, oh my God, when I go to retreats, I feel everybody's feelings so intensely. I just have to go back into my room and be alone. What if just for that retreat, you took on the story that it's your own stuff and you're just feeling your own feelings. I think it's more empowering. I'm definitely an empath, but when I feel a lot of emotions, my baseline thought is these are mine. I might shift that around if I really feel strongly about it, but otherwise I'm going to say this is all my stuff and I'm going to feel it. Even if it's not, at least I'm feeling it and processing it. As a water person, it's very important for you to get to know your moods. It may be helpful to track the moon cycle with your moods and your period if you're a woman. But getting to know how you function is really helpful not only for you but other people. So for example, I will tell new people in my life before I feel a wave coming. I'll let them know. I'll say, hey, a wave's coming. So I might go inward for the next couple days so that I can feel what I'm feeling and uh, watch artsy movies and Make myself lots of tea and home-cooked meals. If I'm on my phone a little less, less calling you or picking up, just know it's not you. It's really just what I'm feeling. I've come to see these things about myself and it feels really good to give people a heads up to take care of myself at the same time I take care of others. Um, For water people, be in water. This is crucial. Take baths, take showers. If you go to events or retreats, Have a shower or a bath every evening or morning. Use it as a way to wash off what is not yours. Like that's a great time and place to acknowledge that you're taking in maybe the emotions of others or you're just feeling a lot. And allow the water to be cleansing. You can imagine that every time you leave the bathtub, you are being born. You know, you're being born anew. You're like coming out of the womb and your towel is this way that you're wiping off any of that residue that's not yours. So that's a little little look at the quality of water. Next, we will look at the quality of air. So air, when we think about the observer of being like a bird that goes up into the air to see the whole picture, the whole story, air people are naturally a bit more like that. At least that's the way that I see it. Air people feel... And are more inclined to see everyone as one. Uh, Deborah wrote in her book for air people, we're all sharing the same air and therefore we're all friends. And I really, really loved that. I personally identify with air the most, even though I ranked the highest on earth because I am a very practical, stable person. I relate to air the most because air is a quality that is not disembodied, but really into the inspirational realm. Air people love taking in information, learning things, taking courses, watching shows, listening to music, learning, 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 diving deep, asking questions, being a podcaster or a YouTube interviewer, having a lot of friends where you want to be looking into their life and hearing how they process the world and learning the difference between how you process the world and how they process the world. Air people can spend days on end listening and reading and researching and like like I said in the post that I read this morning yeah I can get really really into learning and not remember things and then maybe get a little bit critical of myself of not retaining things air people can typically judge themselves harshly for not remembering all the things they learn and not trusting themselves but the truth is you are absorbing absorbing these things You are taking this information in, even if it's not to a photographic memory level, you are retaining this information and the next portion will be to embody it. So that's going to be one of the helpful things. If we look at this in Ayurveda, there is vata. Vata is very up in the air and the shadow side of vata would be anxious and disembodied and talking really, really fast and completing people's sentences and cutting them off and not really listening to them and not really listening to yourself. And to become embodied, you can lower your voice, you can feel your feet on the earth, you can feel your heart space. So air, I'm just, this is how I see it. I'm not reading or referencing this from the book, but the way that I see air is this beautiful inspirational energy that must be balanced out with earth. Earth is when we bring us back down. We come back down, we collectively come back down, maybe... All of us get up in the air, especially right now. This is really interesting because with the virus, this is a virus that's spreading. It's not literally spreading through the, it's not airborne. It's not spreading through the air. As far as I know, I I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, please give me grace. But as far as I know, it is being spread from human contact or touching your hands onto something that the virus is on and then touching your face. But again, like that's still happening in the air. You're walking around in the air. And so a lot of us are getting very anxious. We're going up in the air about all of this. We're getting nervous and fearful and we're reading, we're researching, we're asking questions. There's a lot of air going on right now in the world, a lot of air qualities. So to bring it back down, we come to earth. We do our practices, we breathe deep, we feel our body, we get embodied. A way that I get embodied immediately is lowering my voice. That is, if you listen to podcasts I did even one year ago, you'll hear that my voice sounds a lot more like this. And now these days, it's even a strain for me to talk in this way, even though this was the way I talked my entire life for 27 years. Until I would say this past year when I've done really deep work with my friend Jamie Woolrab, who I've had on the show a few times. And um, simply after studying the power of voice and learning how to speak from my chest I have created a new voice this is very new for me but being such an air quality that is so full of inspiration and a hunger for learning it can easily go off it can easily fly away you can fly away you can talk super fast and lose yourself because your brain is going a million miles an hour if you're an air person My recommendation is to do more earth grounding work, work with plants, get your fingers dirty in soil, take a break from learning, and then also work on your voice. Work on entering your, uh, like if you put your hand on your heart, you want to feel a vibration in your chest. One of the best ways I get there on a daily basis is by doing this very easy, simple Vocal scan where I imagine that my voice is at the top of my head And then I go all the way down until I feel it in my chest and it sounds like this Hello, my name is Madeline Hello, hello, hello And I'll have my hand On my heart to feel that So try that try that now hit pause and, and see how that goes other qualities of air people, very curious, love to provoke and, and ask new questions and have new stimulating conversations and thoughts. They're visionaries. They can be great listeners, but in my experience, they can also be not great listeners because they cut each other off. Um, some air people, what Deborah says, have a photographic memory. I certainly do not. That would be excellent if I did. Air people can be very auditor- auditory. I am that as well hence the podcast. Some of the shadow sides of air people is that they can be codependent and not always like being alone because they have so many questions and thoughts. They can be flirtatious, even if it's only in their head. Yep, that's me. But I don't consider that a shadow. I like love being flirtatious. I want to flirt with the world all day long. It can become a shadow if you're not doing it consciously and it's leaking out of you because you're not embracing and accepting that part of you. So you do want to be careful about that. Okay, we're going to go on to, let's see, we're going to go on to Earth. All right. Ah, So Earth people, Earth people love, love, love stability. These are people that may have some sort of internal code or structure to how the day must go. how their to-do list must go, to how their routines and rituals must go. Rituals are very important for earth people and that makes sense when you think about the earth and the rituals that the earth goes through. Uh, Trading oxygen and carbon dioxide between humans and plants and uh, how the river flows and the direction it goes and how a tree sends nutrients to other trees and how it's born and how it grows and how a flower blossoms like there is a structure to the chaos in nature and humans that are more of the earth quality really appreciate honor and need that code in their own life from how their morning goes to their afternoon and their evening. Problem can arise whenever Like I was saying earlier, the sense of structure is at the forefront of their mind and they're too rigid with it. There is no room for flow. Or the idea of uh, uh, safety and security is their number one priority so much to the point that they're buying into a false belief of safety and security. So it can get in the way from doing potentially fun things like being spontaneous, taking a random car trip or... Going to Hawaii and spending money and investing in themselves and maybe hiring out someone to do something that you don't want to do because Earth people, I don't really know about this quality. I don't know if it's something Earth people do or not, but I can assume that when there is a job to be done that Earth people can do themselves, they'll want to do themselves. Um, I'm not like that. I like to outsource as much as possible. When I am not in my, quote, zone of genius, I want someone else who is in their zone of genius around that thing to do that thing. They are great with their hands and getting the job done. When I think about earth people, I think about people who can work with the earth and have patience and can grow things. They plant the real physical seed or the metaphorical seed and then they they water it and they bring it sunlight or They take it to sunlight. Um, They nourish it and they feed it good thoughts, healthy, loving thoughts. People in your life that are earth people are most likely very dependable. They're like a redwood forest. Lots of trees that are sturdy and strong. They're there for you in your life and you know that you can count on them. Sometimes earth people lack that fire quality. So if you find yourself really into your systems and routines, Something that may be good for you is to create a little bit more fire in your life. Like Even if you have to structure that in, structure in some fire or some spontaneity or perhaps have friends that have that quality so that you can absorb that. And take that in and be influenced by their own fire. But you don't have to become fire necessarily. Some of the shadows of earth is that they can never really give themselves a pat on the back or encouragement. Because the to-do list never seems to end. And so there's no time for that. And they simply keep going. Going on the mission to create more, do more, check off more boxes. So that can be a shadow of just not giving yourself grace and space to say that you did a job well done. There can be a slight arrogance to earth people where they think they know it all and they've done it all and they can do it all and humility could be a potential nourishing ingredient for them to step into the part of themselves that are a little bit more of the air quality and be a little bit more curious about how others do things. Asking questions is really great for an earth person so that they can admit that they don't need to do it all, or have to do it all, and that they can ask others for support. So asking questions like, how did you do that? Or that's interesting, tell me more. That's really healthy for Earth. Okay, the last one is fire. And as Deborah writes in her book, which I just love, fire never burns lukewarm. It's either hot or it's hot. And that is a beautiful way to describe fire energy. Fire people can be very... Let's say um, in an unhealthy way, they can be very destructive because that's what fire does. It destructs things. It also creates things. It's like um, a phoenix. Phoenix burns and then rises through the ashes. So fire is a very transformative energy. Fire people can fuel their lives in destructive ways. So it is not uncommon for people who have a lot of fire energy to turn to Uh, physical body food abuse. So maybe having a really intense relationship with food that's on and off again, which can lead to disordered eating. And fire people can typically find themselves really obsessed with fitness because fitness, again, is a very heated activity. It will supercharge your body. So there can be some imbalances in your fitness life if you are an unhealthy fire. So like myself, before I did all this personal development work, and you heard a bit about this in last week's podcast episode if you listened to that one, but I had disordered eating, I had an exercise addiction, and I took in college um, ADHD medication like Adderall just to give me more energy and to take my tests and to study for my tests. And it was very unhealthy and I find, found myself in these really abusive cycles with my own body of taking this medication for tests, studying for 12 hours, and then going on a seven to nine mile run on a treadmill and then not eating. So that was fire energy channeled in an unhealthy way. It can also mean being the life of the party, someone who's very energetic, someone who's very loud when they talk and very bubbly. Typically fire people like to figure it out As they go along, they're not using the same structures and uh, planning and the routines that earth people like to do. And I think that fire can oftentimes be one of the elements that is muted the most in water. I would say water too. That is a quality that is judged a lot, especially for boys. Don't be so emotional. So I think water is an element that gets, let's say, dammed up, whereas fire gets burned out. Because fire children can be very loud and very intense and I think that can scare parents because it seems like they want to run the show and make their own decisions and they're already acting like they know what's best as a child and that can maybe scare a parent. So instead of learning ways to nurture that quality and, and support and, and feed that quality and blow on that quality to make it even bigger like a bonfire, it may get dimmed out. It's getting blown out, which can stop the fire in these really excited, passionate children way too early and then be something they have to learn how to reignite again as they go on throughout their life. Do you like how I'm using all of these metaphors for fire? It's making my brain have to really search to think about how to come up with these. Okay, so other qualities about um fire people is that yeah like they they do love fitness so even though I said it can be unhealthy like if even even if you have had struggles with exercise in the past if you want to create more fire in your life or you are a very fiery person find the forms of movement that create heat in your body in a way that you really enjoy and love so that's when you want to combine this fire with water what feels really good how do I have a fiery workout that is fueled by pleasure and enjoyment. And if it's not feeling super yummy and delicious, that's okay. CrossFit doesn't always feel super yummy and delicious. But the masculine part of you says... Even though this may not feel yummy and delicious in this moment, it does in the long run. And I'm doing this for the long run. I'm doing this for my health as a fiery human being to support the way that I move throughout the world. And it's actually an act of pleasure to give myself this, even if I feel a little bit of pain while I do it fire individuals can be really enthusiastic they can be really inspirational they can be pretty impulsive and when it comes to relationships sometimes they might lean a little bit towards being drama kings or drama queens and it's not always because they're the most confident people in the room but they could potentially be the most insecure in the room or they could be trying to compensate for their quietness or reservedness that's internal with being extra loud Fire people could have a bit of a story that their life of the party aspects are what makes them worthy. So even if they feel like taking the back seat and not being the star of the show, they may do that because of that little egoic voice in the back of their mind saying, you got to you gotta be funny, you got to be popular, you got to be loud or else you'll be forgotten. And it's not true. You won't be. So you can have more of that water quality of kind of cooling it and chilling and being a little more quiet or earth coming back down to the ground and not having to start a new project not having to chase the next shiny big thing that you want it's okay to slow down I think that's a really great mantra for fire people is it's okay to slow down it's okay to slow down without blowing out your fire I don't think that slowing down burns out your fire. In fact, the slower you go, oftentimes the faster you get there. Slow down to speed up. Those are some quotes to live by. Um, Fire people love to love. They love to be adored. They love to be loved. Fire people can be very, like I said, passionate, but also very feisty. And that can be a really fun, delicious quality. And sometimes it can lead to the other person feeling not heard a wonderful skill for people who are really in their fire. Combining what I just said about slowing down is learning how to listen, listening to what the person in front of you is saying and not being so reactive. That was a huge issue for me most of my life is being run by my reactive nature. And my household is four fire signs, two Aries, two Leos. Wow. You can just imagine Any household fights included a lot of talking over each other and not listening. And now it's no surprise that my career is being a coach, listening and holding space. And one of my favorite things that I do and that other people do are letting each other finish their sentences. It's a pretty big Can I call it a core value? I don't know if that's a core value, but I would say a core habit of mine that I try to stay very devoted to and I appreciate in others is when we don't cut off each other's sentences and we listen for completion and even saying what else at the end of that. It's a great way to soothe your fire just a little bit. And it doesn't mean that it's, again, being blown out, but rather you're making more space. You're simply making more space and you're teaching your fire that it can be patient. Fire people can also be very competitive. You can think of lions or like the phoenix, like rushing to be burnt so it can be transformed and be on to the next new thing. It can be a little bit bit impatient, a little bit in a hurry very competitive oftentimes competitive with itself how big can I make my own fire and there can be a little bit of pride going on with fire people and um, I think there's also a wanderlust as we all know fire loves to travel it loves to grow and expand and get bigger and all the fire people I've met for the most part are travelers at heart and love to travel and it's very healthy The shadow side of that could be thinking that the grass will always be greener in another place and that you are in a rush to get there, whether that's energetically, metaphorically or physically trying to get to the next destination. So slowing down, listening more, also asking more questions and breathing. You know, breathing is really it's it's a tool for all of these different elements, but particularly I would say fire. Um. Air is breath, so that is already within the air quality, even though sometimes an air person may be talking really fast and getting disembodied and could use to slow down and breathe. And for fire people, breath is also equally as important to learn how to slow down and breathe in the moments you may feel drama bubbling up or reactiveness bubbling up or mm, what else is there? Um, impulsiveness, bubbling up. Those are all great moments to slow down and allow more intuition into your life because you have a great intuitive ability as far. You do. You have a very strong, uh, Intuitive intelligence, you have a very strong emotional intelligence. Sometimes it's so strong that it's covered up with impulsiveness. So, once you can learn how to slow down, you're harnessing the power of your fire and you're letting it out when you choose consciously. And then, once that has been established and you're working on that, you will feel just how strong and potent your intuition is and even your psychic abilities. Wow. So this was so fun. I hope you learned a lot from this. Um, Again, the name of this book that I uh, just read is called The Missing Element. And I also have taken my studies from Ayurveda and simply being in the world and paying attention to my own patterns. So if some of these qualities don't relate to you, let them go. I'm not saying that you are all of these different qualities, or if you relate more to fire, you're all the different fire and you're none of the water. You are all of these together and it shifts which ones are the strongest, which elements are the strongest, but also which qualities within the elements are the strongest. And just because your birth chart may say that you have a lot of fire, doesn't mean you're living that fire. It may mean that you have a lot of fire capability in your life and it's something you can harness if you would like and if you would choose. But again, this is a beautiful way I find to look at life holistically and see what's really working for me and where could I use more growth and more attention and love. My practices and stability and my structure and my desire for feeling secure, that really works for me. And sometimes it gets in the way of my spontaneity. My emotions and feeling them and getting deep into them really works for me and honestly that that's that it just really works for me I don't really feel I have too much of the shadow side of water because I'm not naturally water I've had to work very hard to get water qualities and I haven't gone quote overboard in the water whereas if you are someone that is you were born in water and you have existed as water since then you may relate a little bit more to having Gone too deep into the water and really over identifying with your emotions, and it would serve you to learn more about fire. Yeah, so this is a playground. This is a fun playground. Explore, maybe spend some time journaling about all these different qualities that I listed. Get yourself the book, continue to grow in your studies around elements. There is a beautiful Qigong practice that I used to do religiously that is called, I think the, maybe it's the four or five elements. I think there's five, if I remember correctly. Um, And embodying the elements is a wonderful way to practice the elements. So I'll make sure I have a link to that practice for the Qigong in the show notes for this. And you can actually step into the qualities and the elements to become them and to live them out. That's what embodiment is, is having the physical experience of an internal state. So it serves you in multiple ways. All right, I'm going to head off for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to know which element you identify with the most. You can go to my Instagram, Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N, and drop a little note there. Let me know what you identify with the most. If you take a screenshot of this episode and tag me, I will most likely reshare it because I love seeing y'all listening to the episodes and I just love resharing things when people tag me and if you have not yet grabbed your guide the quarantine cocoon this is a stay at home resource guide just for you I just made it for fun so if you want to find some new people to look into or have some new embodiment practices and speaking of that the qigong practice I just mentioned is in that pdf and some books you may want to look into and anything else that I have snuck inside of that PDF that I can't remember right now. You can go to mattymooncom forward slash cocoon and grab that there. Last but not least, I'm still doing one-on-one coaching as always. That is my bread and butter and the place that I love to serve the most. So if you are interested in doing one-on-one work with me, maybe you want to have a private embodiment session guided for you or you want to dig into some of the stuff that's been coming up for you over this quarantine or... Want to start building a business or engaging with your feminine and masculine, or just need someone to dive deep with, undivided, full like a hundred percent focus on you? You can head on over to MaddieMoon.com/coaching. I've got tons of testimonials from all the clients I've worked with over the years, and I have a lot of information about what it is that I do and how my practice works. So you can read that there. Typically, I do twelve month or six month coaching arrangements but right now i am incredibly flexible if you want to do one session with me two sessions with me just send me an email and let me know and we'll get rocking and rolling thank you so much for being here listening to the mind body musings podcast It is such an honor and a pleasure to serve you and i look forward to another episode next wednesday